0: Well, welcome to Summit Church, everyone. We are so glad you're here. I'm Dan Halk. I'm one of the pastors around here, and as you can see, we're a little lighter this morning than normal. But I want to commend a certain group of people uh, this morning. I want to commend the men who have watched the kids while the ladies were at the retreat. Let's give them a big round of applause. Uh, I think I've always thought uh, women's retreats are good for two reasons. It helps the women, of course. And then it helps the men appreciate their wives more. So, well, today we are continuing the series on percentages. If you're joining us at home, we're glad you're here with us. This has been such a good series. Last week was phenomenal. If you did not hear last week's message on percentages as it pertains to relationships, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Uh, But today we're going to be talking about time. And Pastor Chris thought it would be appropriate for me to talk about it because it's probably my worst subject. I have struggled with time, as a lot of us have, but I thought I'd kick off this morning by sharing just some statistics as it relates to time in our lives. So, first of all, there are 168 hours in every week. Didn't know if you knew that. The average American spends almost two hours a week stuck in traffic, or 1% of their time. Studies report people waste two hours a day or 8.3% of their time. That's what they report themselves as having wasted. Americans spend on average two hours and six minutes a day on social media, which calls into question the previous time of two hours wasted. But anyway, Americans spend, or teens, you need to sit down for this. Teens ages 13 to 18 average eight hours and 30 minutes of screen time a day. That's 35% of their 24 hour day. Americans average 6.8 hours of sleep a day and that takes into account the fact that teenagers are spending the rest of their waking the rest of their time sleeping anyway okay and then the last thing is college educated moms spend hundred twenty minutes average time with their children a day and fathers spend an average of eighty-five minutes a day which is a three hundred percent increase on the amount of time they used to spend forty years ago so that is an improvement isn't it well We are going to talk about time this morning, and as I mentioned, I do struggle with time. I have for a long time, no pun intended, but I have struggled with time uh, since I was young. Managing my time has been difficult for me, and I married when I was 19 years old. I immediately had five children because I'm good at managing time, and then... Uh, I I went ahead and took care of those children. My life took a turn I didn't expect. I ended up single. Uh, I was raising a couple of single daughters. The rest of the boys were out of the house. And then I remarried Teresa. We've been married 12 years. She has four kids. So now I have uh, have nine kids, right? I have nine kids. I have five in-law kids. That takes time. I don't know if you knew that or not. That takes time. I also have... 12 and a half grandkids. Why half? Because Marie is in labor right now. And so we're hoping she has a, a baby by the time we're done with church. So, all of that takes a lot of time, and if I go back, when I I came to Summit, one of the things I loved about Pastor Chris is he's talked about Sabbath and the importance of taking time out of your week to rest and regenerate, and and I love that about him. Well, as soon as I came to Summit, looking forward to that restful season, uh, I, I immediately, my parents had some medical problems. My dad fell. He broke his collarbone. He's 93 years old, and so Teresa and I ended up living at their house for two weeks because my mom thought she could help my dad up. And down, and, and we had to do it for them. So we rearranged our entire schedule, having to go to work and do all of our responsibilities, taking care of that. And then things got a little busy during Christmas, as it does. The first of the year starts, then we have two sets of parents that have medical issues that require our time. We have a grandchild that had medical issues that required time. We had a child that had issues that required time. And it doesn't seem to matter, like even if I dial my time in, it seems like something happens in my life that wants more of my time. Can anybody identify with that, right? Time is just one of those things that's so difficult for us to manage. And we talk about in terms of managing time, but I love this quote by a guy named Roy Vaden, he wrote a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. And since I love procrastinating, I bought that book and read it, and it wasn't what I thought. It's about getting stuff done. But he says this in his book. He says, there's no such thing as time management, only self-management. And that's true. We all start out with the same amount of time. That is the great equalizer. We don't get any more. And you and I start the day, and we end the day with the same amount of hours. What do we do with those hours? Well, not surprisingly, the Bible has a lot to say about time. And Jesus seemed to know how to live his life in a way that he never seemed rushed. Have you noticed that in reading the Gospels? He never said, we got to hurry and get out of here. Uh, Even when he was walking on water, he seemed to be taking his time, right? He was moving across. When he was spending time with people, he seemed to be present with them. Time didn't seem to impact Jesus the way it impacts us. And I believe we can learn from the words of Scripture, the words from Jesus. And I'm going to start off in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 19. This may be a parable that you're familiar with. It says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. There's time, a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Again, Time the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money what does it take for an investment to grow? time and he earned five more the servant who had two bags of silver also went to work what is going to work take? it takes time you're getting it (laughs) And he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground. And if any of you have ever dug a hole, you know that takes time too. But not much time. And he buried the master's money, hid the master's money. After a long time, time their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Now you're saying to yourself, I thought this was about time, not money. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, you probably already know this, but time is your most valuable resource. There's a lot of things we have in life, but time is by far the most valuable resource. And there is a time at which we will be accountable for how we spent our resources here on earth. Uh, We are given a period of grace, we're given a period of time in our lives that we live, and we We invest our time, we invest our resources in different things, and I hope that we get a return like this. If you continue reading, I'll just give you the story real quick. The master came back. He called each to account. He commended the one who had invested his money and made more. He commended the one who had worked and made more, and he criticized and condemned the one who had buried the treasure. And he ended up giving it to the one who, who had the most. And if you think about that, it makes sense in life. We don't go to banks that go under and submit our money there, right? Anybody want to open an account at the uh, SVB bank? Anyway, no, we want to give our money to someone who is going to be responsible and take good care of it. Well, time is the most valuable thing we have to spend. We talk about spending time like we talk about spending money, right? Money is a resource that we spend to buy different things. And if I were to come to you and say, how do you spend your money? Well, I, you know, I pay my rent or I pay my mortgage or I, I have a car payment, I buy food. I would think that makes a lot of sense. But if you were to say to me, you know, on a windy day, I like to go out to the, to the uh, field and I'd like to kind of throw it up in the air and let it blow off, you know. You're wasting money. Do we waste our time in similar ways? Do we spend our time in ways that would be like throwing our money to the wind? Well, I'm here to tell you that not only can we take advantage of time, but we can multiply our time. We can make our time more valuable than it is just by spending a few minutes and understanding how God has wired us to use time. So the first thing I want to talk about is how I can multiply time by taking advantage of its availability. Point number one, I multiply my time by taking advantage of its availability. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with this availability of time is because we kind of tend to think we're immortal. I mean, I I don't know if you think in those terms or not, but I don't often think about my death. I mean, I do. I think I'm going to die someday. But it's more of a, it's an abstract concept in my mind. The way I feel right now, I feel like I'm going to live forever. And I think until something like a, a bad diagnosis we get from the doctor or we're getting you know close to the end of our life, we begin to think a lot more about how much time we have. But I think in general, we kind of feel immortal, don't we? There was this interesting movie, not a great movie, but interesting, that Justin Timberlake was in. Some of you may have seen it called About Time. Remember that movie where they would have times printed on their arms and they'd figured out somehow that you could age up to 25 and then you had one more year after that. But you could get more time added to that and you could basically live forever if you could keep adding time. And you would get time by like going to work. And so somebody would give you some more time on your arm. Or you could steal. You could try and kill somebody, take their time, put it on your arm. Or you could maybe gamble. You might lose time, but you also might win time. right? And it was kind of a dystopian, weird concept of a movie. But the one thing I liked about it, it was totally biblical. They ripped off the concept from the book of Psalms. Let's read what it says in Psalms 90 verse 12. 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. You see, understanding the brevity of life helps us to be wiser. Understanding that we are limited helps us to spend that limited amount of time better. I was just thinking about this. You know, I have a watch. I have an Apple watch, and I'm not like Pastor Chris. I don't throw it across the room uh, and dismiss it as as a, uh, you know, a insignificant time piece. This is a really this keeps track of when I walk. In fact, I don't even like to walk unless I have it on because it gives me credit for doing something and I want credit. But this timepiece always goes this way. It goes forward as if it's going to go on forever. So when I look at my timepiece, I kind of feel immortal. But I am 61 years old now. I know I only look 40, but I'm 61. And I think about the average lifespan of an American is 78 years. So I have, according to that time frame, about 17 years left. That may sound like a lot of, to some people, and may sound like hardly anything to other people. What would it be like if on my watch, instead of the time going forward, it said 17 years, 16 years, 364 days and 23 hours, right? What, happen, what would happen if my watch was reading backwards to my expiration date? As my friend used to say, we're all like yogurt, we have an expiration date, right? What would happen with my sense of the value of my time? It would go up. Time is like everything else. We think of it as a commodity. If we have a lot, it's not worth much. If we have very little, it's precious us. And you will see people at the end of their life, their their value for time is so high because they realize they have so little left. The conversations they have are more meaningful. Moses, who wrote this, this was the first psalm, ironically, even though it's 90, it was the very first psalm written in order. He's telling us that it's not something we know instinctively. He's asking God, teach us. Because we don't get it. We think we're going to live forever. So teach us to number our days. We have a limited amount of time on this earth. And we can spend it wisely if we think of it in those terms. But not only do we need to value our time, we need to think about how important right now is. Right this second. Psalm 118 24 says this this is the day that the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it see this today is the day this is the most important day of your life it is all that you're guaranteed you're guaranteed this moment you're not guaranteed when you walk out of this room you're not guaranteed next week your past is gone It's not even worth thinking about in some sense you have a moment and transformations happen in a moment we think of new things we want to do in a moment we take a new direction in our life in a moment and today is the day that the lord has made let us rejoice in the fact that we have today that god's given us today it's so easy to spend time on our past thinking about our past and thinking about our failures It's good to learn from the past, but it's gone. It's useless to you now beyond a teacher. And if it's bringing you down, if you're beating yourself up because of your past, stop. That's why Jesus came to earth to get rid of the guilt and the shame. And there's only one reason to have guilt and shame it's because of something that happened in the past. And he doesn't want us to live in the past. He wants us to live in the present, in this moment right now. And today, if you walk in with guilt, let's not leave here with it. Let's leave it in this room and go about our lives and say, today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Not only do we have to worry about the past and just make sure we're focused on today, let's not worry about the future. Uh, Mark Twain said that worrying about the future is like paying a debt that you don't owe, right? We don't need to worry about the future. God's already there. I don't know if you've ever noticed this about God, but uh, he says he's the beginning and the end. He doesn't say, I was out there at the beginning. He was out there at the beginning, but he created the beginning, and he is the end. And uh, Jesus said this in John eight fifty eight. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He is the present. He's eternally present. And he wants us to understand how precious right now is. So, if we really want to multiply our time, we've got to take advantage of the time that we have. Secondly, I multiply my time by wisely spending the right percentages at the right times. And this is the biggest challenge I think we all face is, what do we do with the time we have? And uh, what, what, how do I manage my calendar? I, I tell you what, there's so many different calendars. I have probably three different calendars and they don't always sync. I need somebody to help me syncing all my calendars. But I have to look at this calendar and that calendar and make sure nothing's, but it's so easy to, to calendar our time compared to what it was in the past. And there's a lot of time-saving books out there. I don't know if you've read them, but there's a lot of great books to help you manage your time. There's also a lot of time-saving conveniences. You know, they say that the average person today lives like a king would have lived, you know, hundreds of years ago. They say that the average person today, if they were a king, would have about 75 servants. And you don't think about it in those terms, but you think, well, I've got a refrigerator. Well, I don't have to have somebody go and getting my food, shooting my food, and, you know, cooking my food. Well, maybe I do cook my food, but I have a lot of modern conveniences that make it really fast. I can go anywhere I want in my car. I have, you know a chariot. <laughs> I don't have a bunch of people carrying me around. Uh, I can order DoorDash. I can have somebody bring my, I have servants come to my home and bring my dinner to me, right? We have so many conveniences. Teresa and I uh, really got into coffee a number of years ago, and so uh, I like French press, and then she liked pour over, right? So we would do the French press and the pour over, and, and it takes a lot of time. You got a special gooseneck, you know, uh, little coffee heater things and you have to have the the hourglass coffee holder and you put it in the filter and it, it's a long process but according to Teresa worth it and so I would I would make coffee for us in the morning and we'd go through all this ritual and oh it's so good and she would ask me every once in a while did you make this pour over sometimes I'd try and sneak in when she somehow could tell well we went to uh, on vacation and at the place we didn't we were at. We didn't bring our coffee stuff, we, they had a Mr. Coffee. And so we noticed that it had a timer on it, so we made the coffee and set the coffee to be ready for us in the morning. And when we got up in the morning, we just loved getting up to coffee. And so we came home and threw away all of our coffee stuff and bought a Mr. Coffee. That's good time management, friends. That's good time management. What we need, though, honestly, what we need when it comes to times, we need wisdom. Yeah. We desperately need wisdom. It says this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as one unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Now, understand, now, he's got wisdom and time here, but then he's going to contrast it. Because the days are evil, what do the evil days want to do to us? They want to rob us of time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you want to spend your time well, understand what God has for you. Understand what his will is for you. You know, when I think about uh, time management, I think about how I'm going to spend my time, I think about kind of a hierarchy, and you know, this is kind of common, right? What's the most important thing in the hierarchy when it comes to time? What's God, Very good. There's no wrong answer, but God, if you think it's something else, that's okay. Uh, God, and if you look at the, the next thing, it would probably be what? Spouse, family, right. Maybe God, family, maybe it's even God, spouse, children, because our children aren't with us forever, you know, in our house forever. Uh, then maybe church, right, God's chosen people. Uh, then below that might be our jobs. And then, you know, maybe leisure, that's in there somewhere. I think we tend to look at our life in terms of hierarchy, but I want to kind of change the frame a little bit. We don't live in a triangle. We, our, our timer is a clock. It's round. It's like a pie, right? And we get to divvy up that pie however we want. But how do we give something its proper due? If God's the most important thing, but at this, and I have a job that's maybe fifth in importance, do I have to spend more than 40 hours a week with God? Do I? Do I? I don't right now. I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't spend more than 40 hours. Um, What I do is I prioritize God. That's how I put Him in His proper place. So in the morning, I get up and I spend time with the Lord. In the morning, I I pray. I, you know, Teresa and I read the Bible together, and so I start my day with God because He's a priority. And Teresa and I do do it together. We're we're working on our marriage when we're doing something like that spiritually together. Um, We also have to talk to each other at night or sometimes during the day. We keep our relationship going during the day. I do the same thing with God. I'm having a meeting with somebody. I'm praying about the meeting. I'm thinking about, God, what what would be valuable for them in this meeting? And so I spend time in prayer. I spend time in my relationship with Teresa. Now there's times in our relationships where uh, she'll tell me something like, I don't feel super connected to you. And it was probably during a very busy season. And I listened to that. And when she says that to me, I say, let's put our date time on the calendar and make sure we're doing that. And we, put, we calendar it in. So I'm prioritizing my time. I'm trying to live uh, my life wisely with the time I have. And there's a lot of skills. If you want to learn about time blocking and time management. There's so many things out there. But the important thing to understand this morning is we have to understand what the priorities are in our life. And usually our schedule is going to tell us what we are prioritizing are we prioritizing what somebody else thinks is important to us or are we prioritizing our own life and we've had a lot of family members with a lot of needs but we don't take care of all of them Teresa and I have conversations about what our margins are what our limits are and sometimes it's a hard conversation with some people that need something from us But it's like, I'm so sorry, I just don't have the time right now. And we have to allow God to take care of other people sometimes. We can't take care of everybody. I've tried. So, we've got to budget time just like we budget money. When it comes to time, I don't want a balanced life. I want a prioritized life. There's a great verse in Proverbs 24, 27 that talks a little bit about priority. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Now, this is an Old Testament proverb, but what he's saying is, listen, you can build your house first if you want during planting season, but you're going to starve to death over the winter. So, better to be a little uncomfortable on the front end. Live outside on the front end. Yes, maybe it's a little dangerous, but for God's sake, plant your field. Take care of your future by planting and spending the right time at the right moment. You know, it's interesting when you read the Old Testament, it tells uh, married couples when they're first married that they're to stay together for a year and not be distracted by anything else. The, The young men that got married were not to go to war. They were to have a year to just to get to know each other and to love each other. You know, Emily and Gavin, wouldn't that be awesome if your parents gave you a year just to hang out and do nothing, right? Uh, But the reason was you're building a foundation, the relationship, and so at this moment in your life, this is the most important thing. Yes, protecting your country is important, but right now, you're building a relationship. So spend the right time uh, right now, the right percentage, to build that relationship. Our lives are all like that. They're gives and takes. It takes wisdom. I can't give you a laundry list of exactly how much time to do everything, but there's times where your parents are going to take more of your time. That's happening to me right now. There's times where your job is going to take more time for you because you have to provide for your family. And at some point, you're going to realize, I'm always giving up something. What you want to make sure that you're doing is you're giving up things for seasons and not for lifetimes. Everything should have a limit when it comes to its priority. Obviously, God is the top priority. So, we want to make sure we're taking available available time and using it. We're also planning the time we have. But finally, and really most importantly, I multiply my time by investing now for eternity. By investing now for eternity. It's such a weird concept to think about eternity. I was thinking about this this bottle of water here, 16.9 ounces. If this represented a hundred year lifespan, which is a pretty good lifespan, right? And I were to take this bottle of water and go to the Pacific Ocean and pour it out into the Pacific Ocean, I don't know how many bottles of water are in the ocean, but that doesn't even compare to our life right now versus eternity. It doesn't. And I was talking to somebody recently about eternity. And like, I'm having a hard time grasping eternity. And I've talked to so many people that do too. They go, won't you get bored after a while? I mean, sitting there playing a harp or, you know, worshiping God. Doesn't worshiping God get old after a while? Or, I mean, these are good questions. They're honest questions. But I want to, I want to ask you a question right now. Some of you are living boring lives here on earth, right? Some of us have boring moments in our lives. There's not a one of us that doesn't want our life to go on. We want our life right now to go on. We want it to go on in a certain way, though. We want it to be a positive life, an enjoyable life. It's only the pain and suffering when that comes in, illness when that comes in, d- depression when those kinds of things come in and we're miserable. It's only those times that we don't want life. But wh- if those things are not present and we're enjoying our lives, we would love our life to live forever. Wouldn't we? But this is not heaven. This is not Heaven, whatever heaven is, it's so far better than what we're experiencing here. We don't have to worry about what heaven is exactly. We know what life is here. And if we want to hold on to life here, trust me, heaven is going to be far greater than anything that we experience here. What are we doing in this teeny tiny amount of time we have on this earth to invest in that eternity? Jesus said this in Matthew Don't, Matthew 6, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And here we go again talking about treasure as if t- it's time. But of course your treasure's time. Your treasure is earned by your time. In a sense, time is all you've got. And you exchange your time while you're here on earth for money. Uh, you may get a little more money and you decide to invest your money. But it's your time. We're really exchanging time is what we're doing. And so when you Earn money, And, you know, Pastor Chris says, hey, bring your tithe to the storehouse. There are people that have a perception that, you know, why do they need money? You know, God doesn't need your money. It's for you. He wants you to invest in eternity. It's for your benefit. Trust me, to bring your money to the storehouse benefits you. You're putting your treasure in heaven. You're saying to God, I spent my time. I earned this. I'm bringing this to you. It has value to be Him because you gave of your time for it. I, it's true about our, our money and our possessions, but it's also true about the time that we have. And we think about volunteering as giving up time. We're investing time. When you come to church, you're investing in eternity. You're doing something that will give you a reward in the future. Jesus has promised it. And one of our problems is we get so focused on the here and now, what's going on right, right in this moment, that we don't realize this is just a drop in the bucket to eternity. And what we're doing right here is like investing in the stock market that's guaranteed to go up. And when we do it, there's a return for us. I, I never went to church at all, growing up. My parents, I've told you, my parents are Hindu faith, and that's what I was raised in. Never knew anything about Jesus, uh, other than he was a cuss word that people used frequently. Or uh, I did hear things like, how could somebody believe they could just be forgiven? I knew nothing about Jesus. But then there was a guy named Ralph who took Bibles, New Testaments, and he would mark them. He would take time, and he would highlight passages in this New Testament. And then he would go door to door, and he would say, hi, um, do you go to church? And he would give these Bibles away. Ralph came to my house, and he gave a Bible to me. And I'd never read the Bible, so I thanked him. I got my religion. I'm good. You know, see you later. But I kept the Bible. And I started reading it and it would say, turn to page 165. I'd turn to page 165 and say, the wages of sin is death. Turn to the, you know, page 168. But the gift of God is eternal life. I mean, there's, it took me through uh, the plan of salvation. Then when I was done with that, I began reading the whole New Testament like it was a novel. I didn't know you weren't supposed to read the Bible, so I read the whole thing, right? I, I, and as I read through it, I never forget that when I was reading what Jesus said, said I just knew it was true. It just did something to my soul. And I go, oh my gosh, this guy's the real deal. And I knew I had to give my life to him. It was so interesting because three years after that happened to me, I gave my life to him. I was talking to somebody about this experience I had. Man, I wish I could meet that guy. They said, I know that guy. He's a friend of mine. So I got to meet Ralph. I'd forgotten his name, but when I met him again, I remember. And I'll never forget going to see Ralph and talking to him and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear that what I was doing impacted someone's life. I had no idea. I was about to quit. He had spent hours and hours and hours, countless hours doing that, buying the Bibles, paying for them uh, with his time, and then going door to door and introducing people to Jesus. And I thought, oh my gosh. And in my life, many people have come to Christ through the ministry. I'm just through God working through me. Not anything I did. But the time that Ralph invested changed my life, and my life has changed other lives, and that's multiplying time. And I'm going to be in eternity because of what Ralph did. You know, the the final verse I want to share with you, and it's been on my heart a lot lately because we've had some deaths uh, that have impacted our lives. This is what Paul said just before he went to be with the Lord. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. You know, Paul realized that everything I'm doing has eternal consequences. And, you know, when when we ask you to do things like, you know, hand out the... Easter invitation to somebody. It's because if you invest a little bit of time and maybe a little bit of risk of being uncomfortable and invite your neighbor to church and your neighbor comes to church, it may change their life in the same way it changed mine. There's people out there desperate to hear the Word of God, desperate to be changed, desperate to have something in this life that's sure. And, and they know, just like I read earlier, that, that eternity is in the heart's man we understand that there is an eternal nature to us we long for immortality and they can have it with the god that created them but when you're in those final times of your life when you're getting older and you're starting to think about you know how little time you have left it's easy to begin to think about your legacy and just uh we had such a crazy like i have told you about a little my my calendar it's been so crazy with all the things happening we had a a friend of ours very sweet dear friend who was in ministry with us for many years. She passed away about two, two and a half weeks ago. And she had asked that I officiate her memorial service. And so we did that a week uh, ago on Saturday. And her life was like that. It was just invested in other people. And over and over and over and over, you would hear stories of how she had been by somebody's side. She had poured into somebody else. She served. She served us. She touched our life. And then Friday... um, I didn't know him, but I got to go to Bill Laws' memorial service. I knew Darren Laws, so I know Darren, and what an incredible testimony of somebody who had given his life to Christ and led probably over a thousand people. He led somebody at a McDonald's parking lot to Christ, you know. He invested his life in eternity. And I just want to encourage you today to really start thinking about eternity. It's the future that's beyond our future. And to do the things today that will impact then, so that when we get to that last time in our lives, you know, we can hear Jesus say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And we have the same promise he gave to Paul, all those who look forward to his coming. And so I'm not here to guilt anybody, because I know there's people that feel like, man, I scrolled for 20 hours yesterday whatever. And <clears throat> I've wasted a lot of time doing this. Wasted a lot of time doing that. This is not a guilt message. This is a message to encourage you to take every present moment you have. And if you get on track, get back on track and just appreciate the time you have and use it to the best of your ability, to the glory of God and to the betterment of everybody around you. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that You give us time and that you loved us so much that you sent your son from eternity into time and space to become a baby, to identify us as a person who grew up and faced temptation and had to do everything in this life with the constraints of time, those 33 years, But ultimately, he died a death on the cross and rose again to show us he knew what he was talking about when it came to our time, and that we have an eternity before us that we can thank him for. And I know that there may be some here this morning who have never made that decision to give their life to Christ, to say, I want to trust you right now with my life, but also for all of my eternity. And you simply do it by just saying, Lord, just please forgive me of my selfishness, of my focus on my own needs and my own time, and just help me to follow you. Give me wisdom that that I need to live this life until I see you again. And if you made that decision, you pray that prayer, then right now you have eternal life. And I know there's so many others that have regrets from the past. But Lord, you don't want us to live in regret. The thief on the cross who spent his entire life stealing, selfishly on the cross, uttered, remember me when you get to paradise. And Jesus said, today you will be with me. And so Lord, we don't need to live a life of regret. Today can be a new day This is the day that you have made, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.